Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, February 11th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the U.S. Secretary of Labor visits Mississippi. We'll hear his thoughts on the state's economic prospects and workforce development. The governor was telling me that welders in Mississippi start near $60,000 a year. And so the message here is we're creating jobs all across this nation. We're creating jobs in Mississippi. This economy is roaring. And after everyday tech, new Department of Education grants are helping some counties improve literacy programs for students. We'll hear from one of them. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. United States Secretary of Labor is promoting Mississippi's economy and various workforce training efforts. Secretary Alexander Acosta spoke during a visit to the Continental Tire Training Center in Clinton. Governor Phil Bryant joined Labor Secretary Acosta to see the high-tech systems used to train employees. Heinz Community College students are among those being trained for maintenance technician positions. Acosta says he supports companies establishing training partnerships with local community colleges. We call it demand-driven education, education that responds to the demands of the workforce. And they have developed new courses in partnership with business to make sure that their students receive the skills necessary for jobs like those right here. And those jobs are important because they change lives. They pay well. You know, we talk about jobs, but we really should be talking about career paths. Because Americans don't just want a job, they want a career. And we need to recognize that careers come in all forms. And so our high schools should be offering shop classes to expose individuals to the full panoply of careers. Some may want to go into construction and the trades. Some may want to go into advanced manufacturing. Some may want to go on to four-year college and, and advanced degrees. Let's give Americans all those options. Yesterday, I met with some aviation mechanics that are making over $100,000 a year. The governor was telling me that welders in Mississippi start near $60,000 a year. And in fact, I believe Heinz offers courses in welding so individuals can have access to those great family-sustaining jobs. And so the message here is we're creating jobs all across this nation. We're creating jobs in Mississippi. This economy is roaring. But we need to expand how we educate. Nationwide, in the last two years, we've created 200, I'm sorry, we've created 450,000 apprenticeships. 
opportunities for individuals to earn while they learn, to learn skills and also to work. Heinz Community College, for example, is working on apprenticeship programs in commercial driver's licenses. They already have 200 apprentices have gone through their program, and this morning I heard that they hope to increase that number to 700. Those are 700 individuals that will acquire skills, and in turn those skills will lead to family-sustaining jobs that benefit not just them, but benefit entire families. Some, some data about here in Mississippi. Mississippi exports to Canada and Mexico more than $750 million in transportation equipment. Mississippi exports to Canada and Mexico almost half a billion in computer and electronics equipment. And Mississippi exports to Canada and Mexico almost half a billion in machinery and chemicals. And I say that because that is indicative of the resurgence in manufacturing that we are seeing here in Mississippi through plants like this and everywhere else. And it's advanced manufacturing. It's high skills manufacturing. This is a high-tech facility. United States Secretary of Labor Alexander Acosta. Michael Anger is with Continental Tire. He talked about what his factory will be able to do when it's fully up and running. We are at the moment hiring the people, training the people. That's also why we have this uh, great facility in operation already to have really the possibility once the equipment is in to really hit the ground running, to really get the great tires from Continental produced. For that, we basically have different lead times for training the people. So some are already uh, in our sister plants to learn the skills that are needed um, at the equipment, and others are to be hired over the next several months. Um, if you want to look into the long-term perspective, I think there is a commitment and a number out there that we basically plan to have here some expansion phases over the years, um, which means like that we would end up for the workforce of uh, 2,400 people um, in 2028. The quicker we can ramp up, the better it is also for the market because we need to produce tires. But my personal philosophy is always we need to have that all sustainable. Give the people time also to learn and to be trained and to afterwards be really skilled in what they're doing. Continental Tires, Michael Anger. Coming up, a new Department of Education grant to helping some counties improve literacy programs for students. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Join us on Now You're Talking with Marsha Ramsey, a show about the most interesting people, places, and stories of Mississippi. Today, we sit down and speak with New York Times best-selling author and Mississippi's own Angie Thomas. We'll talk with her about the highly anticipated follow-up to her blockbuster novel, The Hate You Give, on the come-up, and find out how she's doing on her nationwide book tour. So don't miss Now You're Talking with Marsha Ramsey, today at 10 a.m. only on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wills Contrer and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're discussing malware, how to spot current threats, and ways to fend them off. So, guys, when we say malware, 
What exactly are we talking about? Well, really, the term malware is short for malicious software. And the way I really tend to think about it is it's kind of an umbrella term for all of those different malicious items that manage to make it onto our tech device. Also, it's probably the most annoying thing that people encounter on their computers from day to day because it can pop up anywhere. It can be a a random pop-up on your computer or you could be up on the Internet or, or clicking on something in your email and it can pop up. So knowing what it is and knowing how to uh, treat the problem is definitely something that everybody with a an electronic device needs to know. When you start seeing a slowing down phone, a slowing down computer, a slowing down laptop, typically malware is going to be to blame for that. How do we recognize malicious programs and links in email or on the web? My policy is don't click on links in your email unless you know the person and the email looks like something that they would send you. You can kind of tell how people send their emails. I always write mine like a form letter, so I have a salutation and all that. So if you got something from me that says, check this out, that is suspect. The the best rule of thumb, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to uh, links, whether they're an email or even on the web, is if I'm going somewhere, especially if I'm going somewhere that has my personal or financial information, I don't click a link. I'm going to type it in myself. If I'm going to my bank, I'm going to type my bank's name in rather than follow any link that I'll ever see in an email. Absolutely. Um, you always want to make sure that the link that you're, if, if you're going to click on the link, you need to make sure that it's actually going to the address that appears because it's possible for them to make it look like it's going to Google when it's really going to something else completely different. Um, it's possible to uh, put your mouse over the link and you can actually see where it's going to take you, or you could also copy the link address and put it in, uh, paste it into Word or Notepad or something and see where it's actually going. Yeah, that's a very, very common trick that folks will do. You may be thinking you're going one place, but you totally end up somewhere else. Um, and a lot of times you don't realize it until it's too late. One very common way that it's been spreading lately is by people uh, receiving an invoice from somebody they know. And so they click on it because they're like, well, what did they send me this for? And as soon as you click on that invoice, they got you too. And they get in your email and they get your address book and they send it out to all your people too. So what are some effective apps for defending your tech? So Wilson, I really believe in two apps that are out there right now. Um, you've got Avast Antivirus, which we talk about all the time. Uh, it's a great free program. It's also the number one virus protection on the planet. It keeps you protected from most of the things that are out there. Uh, the other one, Wilts, Malwarebytes. Oh, Malwarebytes is just, it's been a, uh, a resident in the stable for quite a while. It just does an extremely effective job at actually tending to removing and just cleaning up from any kind of malware infections. So what do you do if you have become infected? My, my first recommendation, if you already have these programs downloaded on your computer and you've got them updated, disconnect from the Internet. A lot of malware actually uses your Internet connection to power itself. So if you're not on the Internet, then it keeps those pop-ups from coming up when you're removing different programs. That's a good first step. Then definitely run the scan with Malwarebytes first and then uh, run it again after that to make sure that it comes up with zero infections. If you're still noticing any kind of slowdowns or you're still suspect of your computer possibly still being infected, uh, at that particular point would probably be when I would say you'd want to reach out to an IT professional. So, Michelle, when we're talking about malware, we like to go with the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You do not need to wait for these things to become problems on your computer. You can install these programs now and nip it in the bud before it becomes a massive problem for you.
That's true, Jeremy. And if you feel you have been compromised, we need to always remember there are over-the-counter cures for your computer woes. Just like if you're walking down the aisle of your local pharmacy and you see plenty of home remedies, there are several remedies out there for what may be ailing your computer. We will talk more about malware on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. For Moments in Black History, we salute Judge Reuben Anderson. Born in Jackson, Mississippi, to a father who was a bricklayer, Anderson graduated from Tougaloo College in 1965. He then entered the University of Mississippi School of Law as the second black student to be admitted, and on January 16, 1985, he was sworn in as the first African-American Supreme Court Justice in the state of Mississippi, a position he held until his retirement from the bench in 1991. This has been MPB Moments in Black History. Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Jefferson Davis County School District is receiving a $2.2 million grant from the U.S. Department of Education. It's part of the Innovative Approaches to Literacy program. The funds will help the degraded school to improve literacy efforts in the district. Will Russell is superintendent of education for Jefferson Davis County. He tells MPB's Jasmine Ellis how they'll put the funds to good use. If there's ever a magical solution to education, we all know literacy would be that magical solution. So with our data, we um, have, have, you know, students in what we call catch-up growth uh, to get them on the reading levels uh, that they should be in order to uh, read and uh, to learn. In the early years, you know, it's learning to read. So what we wanted to do, we're going to target the, uh, the early literacy to make sure that they have a better opportunity to uh, uh, pass what we call the third grade gate in the state of Mississippi. Um, we, we have so many kids that's getting to the third grade that are on reading levels that may be kindergarten and first grade. So we're trying to close that gap once they enter into third grade. And this grant is affording us the resources and books, books and more books to uh, to make that happen. So you mentioned um, books. Are there any publishers that you plan on partnering with? We have partnered with uh, Scholastic and Scholastic um, has already um, provided books that we've already gotten into homes where we have children. Uh, of course, our goal is to uh, have a library in every home. Uh, with children in Jefferson Davis County. What steps did you take to receive this grant? Well, this is a grant that they advertise each year. And, you know, building relationship, networking, and communicating, um, it, it, it carries a, long, a, a big stick. So I, I actually found out about this grant through uh, my networking with other uh, leaders in um, educational um, support. So we actually pursued filling out the uh, required information, and we had a team put together and worked on a proposal that we felt would um, uh, convince them that we needed help. And out of 40 grants given out uh, in the nation, we were one of the 40. 
and it was only three in the state of Mississippi. So we're very blessed and very highly favored uh, to even have the opportunity to have $2.2 million additional to get the resources and the books and even additional personnel that we will have going into the houses and working with the families, teaching parents uh, how to help their uh, children at home. How did you feel hearing the news that you received this huge grant? Well, you know, the highest praise is hallelujah. So, of course, that's what I said. In a a low-income community, small school district, Obviously, it's a no-brainer to uh, look and find additional resources to uh, to bring in that will uh, supplement the things that we can't afford to do. So this is no cost to to taxpayers, no cost to parents or anybody. It's just additional uh, money that we have received that's going to benefit our children to have a better educational process throughout their um, uh, 12 years. And can you go into detail for me how this grant will help the school district. Financially, it's going to help us not have to um, cut back on other areas that we will normally have to cut back on in order to provide these type resources. So the funding provide the uh, resources, additional personnel, and uh, of course the additional books. Does the school district plan on partnering with the community? What are some organizations outside of the school district, the or outside the school district that you all plan on partnering with to help um, you with this with this initiative towards um, literacy? We've uh, partnered with uh, the barber shops, the dentist office, the doctor's office, anywhere we have children, even the churches. Um, we have partnered with in the community uh, to provide books and, and, and get their buy-in on what we're trying to do with this grant. Okay, and is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to add? I just want to say that um, we we want to be a model school district. We're all in this together. It's not, it, you know, we, we, we can compete on, on, on the extracurricular activities, but it's okay to compete in the classroom as well. And this is one way to get our kids ready for the world because the world is going to be competitive. So we want to uh, build that culture of uh, becoming a lover of reading because if you can't read, it's going to be very difficult to uh, succeed and and compete in the real world. So we just feel that this grant is going to uh, boost our uh, opportunity to make sure our students are ready for the world. Will Russell is the superintendent of education with Jefferson Davis County School District. Mr. Russell, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Michael Hagen is with Scholastic Education. His organization is partnering with the Department of Education and the school district. He talks about what kinds of resources will be provided to districts like Jefferson Davis County. What is comprehensive literacy? So we talk about how do we work with their their teachers and their staff on whole class instruction, doing those read-alouds and those think-mores, and then doing integrated writing, and then moving into small groups. Um, Students had individual needs. We wanted to make sure we work with them on how to group those students, how to work with those students where they are in reading, and making sure they had text in front of them that they were comfortable in reading. And then we wanted to work with the district and making sure we supported them in building those critical foundational skills that they needed around phonics, phonemic awareness, to comprehension and vocabulary. And then we also wanted to make sure that um, their school day is, you know, 
from the time they're in school to the time out in their school year is what it is, but what happens when the children go home for extended breaks or they go home for the summer? So we talked to them about Literacy 365. How do we support students all year and what that looks like with literacy camps during the summer, with summer reading and students taking home books over the summer? They've sat down with us and created what we call a literacy plan. And in that literacy plan, they created this culture of literacy to support that comprehensive literacy approach to the work that they're doing. So how many books will you be providing the community with? So it depends. It will be based on on what we call the the needs. We do something called class where we go into the classrooms and we um, look at their current classroom libraries and look at their current books. And then we make recommendations based on where the students are for each grade level. So we may recommend books on social emotional learning. We may recommend books on um, students so they can see themselves in books, what we call mirrors, and then other books where they can see other communities. So depending on where they are and their needs per grade, we like to customize and, and, and personalize for each teacher, each classroom, each school, what those needs are. We're also very um, supportive with them in what we call level libraries. And what a level library does is we know students come to them at, at all different levels. So um, the level library allows the teacher to go into a, a one room in the entire school where they're able to pull books according to where the student's level is. So, and then that student level can grow. As they grow, they can change books in what we call flexible groups. So that library we would love to see in every school in, in, in the district. What I like about what the district, which Jefferson Davis is doing, is they want to start early. They're looking at their early childhood centers, they're looking at their preschools and their kindergarten classes and making sure they're doing prevention to avoid as much intervention for the upper grades as possible. But for those students that are already there that they have to do that are below reading level, they want to make sure they have books and access to those books to support those kids where they are. Why is it important that Scholastic Education partnered with or is partnering with Jefferson Davis County School District? Jefferson Davis, for me, was a, a prime example of um, when given a district the opportunity and the resources, they're able to support an entire community. Um, they were willing to do the work that was required to, to get it, and they did it. Oftentimes, we're, we're, I mean, we're known for working with larger districts, but a lot of people don't realize we're in over 90% of schools in, in, in America, Scholastic is. So for us, it was a no-brainer. You have a district that's working hard, and what an example for other rural districts around the country um, that this work is possible. And look what happens when you come together as thought partners um, to do what's best for children. Michael Hagan is the Chief Academic Officer with Scholastic Education. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Two other Mississippi school districts are receiving innovative approaches to literacy grants. They are Starkville, Octibaha, Consolidated, and Corinth. Before we go, last week we heard from Mississippi folklorist William Ferris. His collection, Mississippi Voices, was nominated in two categories at last night's Grammy Awards. Well, Mississippi Voices won in both the Best Album Notes category and Best Historical Album. Congratulations to Bill Ferris. How about some music to celebrate? Taking us out of our show today is Sonny Boy Watson with Bring Me a Shotgun. It's from the collection, Mississippi Voices, recorded by Grammy winner William Ferris. 
Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's At Issue on Think Radio. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. You know it, man. Baby, no mad man, I didn't hardly know what to do. I said, bring me my shotgun. Boys in a pocket full of shells. Yes, if I don't find my baby, it's gonna be some trouble here. Yeah, you know I know she's running out with some other man. I didn't know just how long it had started, but I know.